Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is the Balance and Fall SIG of the Academy of Neurologic Physical Therapy, a component of the APTA, is bringing you this interview with the leadership of the Balance and Fall Special Interest Group, conducted by myself, Jillian McLean, and we're going to discuss um, our goals as a special interest group for the next year and kind of introduce ourselves on who your leadership is. Um, I'm going to start by having our fearless leader, Deborah Espy, introduce herself and kind of what her roles are currently and how she kind of got herself here. Hi, I um, my PT education was at the Medical College of Virginia, which is actually now called um, Virginia Commonwealth University. I worked um, for about 18 years at a major regional medical center um, in Chicago. That allowed me to also work on my PhD in movement sciences while I was working. Um, I've been a part of an academic faculty for the past 10 years. While I was working clinically in Chicago, I worked in almost all settings and practice areas, but my focus was neuro rehab and that included um, assistive technology. My research now is in reactive balance, stability, balance exercise, dosing and intensity. I'm also part of a research center with our engineering college that focuses on human machine systems to promote health and to further rehabilitation. That sounds wonderful. You're not busy at all. <laughs> so kind no. of you are, are the president of our SIG, uh, what would you like the SIG to contribute to the PT professional world? I would love for the SIG and the members to be more conversational, for it to be more of a two-way communication. I'd really like for us as the SIG to be able to provide resources to summarize current evidence, to communicate changes in practice guidelines and to link clinicians and members with each other and to the resources that are available out there. But I'd also really like to have clinicians provide feedback to us on the ups and downs of the implementation of those guidelines and the best practices and to inform the translational efforts that need to happen so that that information can be taken both back to the, the ANPT and to the APT and to researchers in the field. I think that'd be a pretty great goal. Is there anything that we have started or is kind of on the pipeline to come out to help start accomplishing some of these goals? Yeah, we're, we're putting together a sort of two-year plan to each quarter or several quarters in a row tackle a certain aspect of balance. Balance and falls are interesting because they cut across all of the neuro practice areas and for that matter, just geriatrics in general and um, other practice areas. So we'd like to um, break down a little bit the different aspects of balance and falls, research, training, clinical practice, efforts that are out there, everything from um, screening, assessment, examination, intervention, reactive, proactive, um, fall prevention, fall resistance. It's, there's there's um, an awful lot we've figured out. Yeah, I mean, since I've joined this SIG, I've learned more about, I didn't know there was a difference between just, you know, reactive balance and proactive balance. Now there's many different things like you just mentioned that I think could really help clinicians out there kind of splice into really great interventions um, to get down for their patients. Um, so what do you do related to your work that kind of works towards the things that we also do in the balance and fall SIG? 
So I have um, some research looking at knowledge translation for gaming to move gaming into clinical applications, especially to increase dosing for motor learning in balance realms. I've developed a scale to use to set intensity of balance training so that when you're doing balance activities with um, patients, you can have them exercising or training at a high enough intensity level, meaning a high enough difficulty level consistently. I'm working with some engineers to develop a harness system that allows you to modulate the support um, in a sort of analog fashion so that you can optimize the support and the motor learning both even for really frail older adults. Well, that sounds like a tool that most clinics need at this point for their older adults. No one knows how to fall, but they're too afraid to let them fall. Exactly. To kind of teach them those reactions. So I look forward to seeing when that stuff comes out. Um, so Deb, will you leave us with a clinical pearl that our, our clinicians could use in the, the clinic tomorrow? So I think that it's really exciting to see people focus on intensity. And by that, I mean specifically how difficult something is for the person doing it, not necessarily cardiovascular, cardiopulmonary intensity. Um, and I think that we really need to, to focus on having the right amount of intensity and higher intensity of balance training, balance activities, even and especially to include reactive training. I, I couldn't agree more. I feel like as, as uh, you know, the Academy of Neurologic PT, we're really pushing intensity in general. So I think it's appropriate that as balance and falls, we're also pushing that same intensity, not giving them too many rest breaks just because they feel yeah. weak and they're are tired yeah. <laughs> as a common thing I see personally. Well, thank you for that, Deb. Um, we're gonna move on and meet the next one is our secretary, Mr. Nathan Casey. So go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, uh, my name is Nate Casey, and I'm a physical therapist and graduate of the Cleveland State University class of 2015. Um, following PT school, I completed a neurologic residency at Ohio State University um, and graduated in 2017. Currently, I work at Ohio State University Wexner Medical Center um, in inpatient rehab at Dodd Hall. The primary areas that I uh, focus with in terms of clinical care include SCI um, and seating and positioning, um, but I also have interests in TBI um, and adaptive sports as well. That's wonderful. So uh, what are some things that you personally want to see the SIG kind of contribute to the professional PT world over the next couple of years? Yeah, so in addition to what um, Debbie mentioned um, in her responses and what I'm sure some of the other um, members of the SIG will mention, um, one of the things that I'm really interested in doing is helping to innovate um, the ways in which we actually deliver balance interventions um, and continue to make lasting change for patients, not only during a single plane of care, um, but kind of across their lifetime. So reimagining how we deliver um, physical therapy services and um, again, looking beyond that single plane of care and considering what our patients look like six months, a year, five years down the road, um, because inevitably our patients don't stay static after we're done treating them. And I think it's really crucial that we continue to make sure that um, after we're done with the plan of care, they're continuing to stay either adherent to exercises that we recommend or um, getting them back into the clinic to make sure that we're doing check-ins. Absolutely. So I'm going to make your clinical pro a little bit earlier. So what are some things that you do as a clinician to kind of do some of those things you'd like other people to do? 
So um, I think one of my major clinical pearls as it pertains to just balance and falls and in this SIG in general, um, working in inpatient rehab, um, I train how to recover from falls um, quite a bit. And so um, inevitably we can't control for every variable that will happen when patients discharge. Um, I can't control somebody's uh, 90 pound dog that's you know running underneath their feet. Um, and so inevitably as much as, as we would like to prevent all falls, inevitably it's not gonna happen. And so I think it's just as important to teach patients um, how to recover from falls, how to appraise the situation after a fall and kind of do that self-assessment to see if, if they're safe enough to, to be able to try and get back up or if they need to um, ask for help or call emergency services. I think that's it's wonderful. I think definitely as clinicians, we don't teach fall recovery enough and making sure that you know we can do a floor transfer because mm -hmm. our patients are all at falls risk. So if they don't know how to get up safely, they're going to end up calling EMS every time or lay there for way too long. Absolutely. All right. Is there anything else you want to leave the world with today, Nate? Um, I think the other thing is, uh, so I've, I've worked in a, in a couple different practice settings. I've worked in inpatient and outpatient rehab, um, but currently I work in inpatient rehab. Um, and a lot of my patients go on to outpatient rehab within our healthcare system. And so I think that it's important to be able to, to have continuity across different care settings if your patients are going to that next area um, to make sure that, you know, the, the next set of therapists have a good idea of um, what to look for when we're training balance and falls with specific patients and, and just making sure that we're really maximizing communication um, across different therapists and across different settings. What are some things that you do to facilitate that relationship with some of the therapists and outpatient? Um, so where I work, um, we've established continuity of care meetings where um, we have um, every other month, um, so six times a year, um, continuity meetings among the different teams um, to make sure that uh, therapists on the outpatient team are aware of the patients that are coming their way. Um, and then also, um, you know, uh, us as inpatient therapists getting um, information about the patients that um, we've worked with in the past. So um, that's a really good system. Um, but when I was an outpatient, it was um, setting reminders for me to reach back out to patients and see um, after I discharged them from their plan of care, three to six months down the road, where are they at? right? Um, are they still doing the things that they should be doing from a balanced standpoint to make sure that they're continuing to prevent falls? Awesome. Those are great pointers that I should start doing in my own practice. So thank you, Nate. I hope some other people can take that home as well. All right. Let's go to our next member here. We're going to talk to Laura Jacobs. So go ahead and introduce yourself, Laura. Yeah, thanks, Jillian. Uh, my name is Laura Jacobs. I'm originally from California. I moved to the Midwest for undergraduate in Iowa, and I completed my doctorate of physical therapy at the University of Minnesota, after which I completed a neurological residency at the Minneapolis VA in a variety of inpatient, outpatient settings and specialty clinics um, prior to obtaining my NCS. I have a special interest in balance and fall prevention, particularly as it relates to sensory substitution devices, which um, ties into my work. I currently primarily work for a medical device company as a clinical services specialist for a product that is designed to improve balance and walking for patients who have peripheral neuropathy. And as part of this role, I work with our clinical research as well as um, help to train clinicians on our product, both from a training and education standpoint. Um, on the side, additionally, in conjunction with that position, I still work part-time in outpatient and inpatient neural rehab 
And this is my first year on the Balance and Falls SIG, serving on the nomination committee. And I also currently serve as a board member on the ABTA Minnesota State Chapter. Awesome. I think your job is very interesting. <laughs> um, so kind of along with Nate and Deb, what are some things that you think our SIG should accomplish and kind of contribute to the PT professional world? Yeah, so similar to what Debbie mentioned, I'd like for the SIG to contribute to some of the evidence-based practice that clinicians are providing to their patients and provide resources to clinicians related to interventions that are being studied and researched. I was really surprised when I learned that the average knowledge translation cycle for clinical research to the clinic was almost 17 years, um, kind of in general on average, which is pretty amazing and astounding. And so I'd really love for the Balance and Fall SIG to be a part of sharing new research as it relates to balance, whether that's balance assessments, balance interventions and treatment, and just to help improve that evidence-based practice by shortening that knowledge translation timeframe, but adapting some of that knowledge for into local content that can help clinicians to um, kind of jumpstart that knowledge translation process and implement those things into their practice. That's super helpful. Um, so what are some things that you do as a clinician to kind of take some of that knowledge you gain from the research and to bring it into your own practice that maybe somebody else could start to do as well? So one of the, the big things that I participate in is um, as part of studying for my NCS, we, let, we read a lot of articles, journal articles. And so I participate in several journal clubs with clinicians from different practice settings and facilities. And we oftentimes will pick a topic of focus and we usually revolve around balance interventions kind of in general. And in these journal clubs, we discuss not only the article, but we challenge each other to think through kind of that knowledge translation cycle by adapting the content to clinical practice, maybe thinking about reasons why um, clinicians are more or less likely to utilize this information into their practice. And then we try to keep each other accountable in terms of monitoring whether or not we're able to implement some of these things in our clinic. Sometimes it's hard to, it's easy to learn about something, but then hard to put it into practice. So try to keep each other accountable for, for trying new things in the clinic. And then um, members of the journal club are, are encouraged to educate their, their colleagues to help share the articles and, and what we discussed just to, again, get the word out there and get others aware of what's being uh, looked at in the research. That's awesome. Do you have any advice for someone that like doesn't have a journal club currently for how they, they could start one or get their clinicians or their fellow friends involved? Yeah, so I'm a part of a couple journal clubs just locally. Um, we have a network of individuals that have their NCS within the Twin Cities area. And so that's one journal club in particular that's a little more widespread across the state. And um, then I have a separate one that's just with friends that we studied for the NCS within a similar time frame. And so I think just making connections with people who either have their NCS or you know are, are interested in reading those journals um, articles, um, just reaching out and, and really just asking if somebody wants to start one. So, so what is your clinical pearl you're going to leave with our audience today? <laughs> um, so the clinical pearl I'd like to share is something I picked up from a CEU course. And um, similar to Debbie, it relates to challenging our patients with interventions to find the, the right intensity. And so one of the ways that I work or try to attempt to ensure my patients are sufficiently challenged during their interventions related to balance is to utilize the patient's perception of the task difficulty 
So this could be asking them on a scale of one to 10, one being super easy, 10 being incredibly challenging, or asking them to rate the task easy, medium, or hard. And then I just started incorporating this to address, again, the sufficient intensity of our interventions to drive neuroplasticity and motor learning, but also to help the patient feel more confident in the tasks that they're completing, which we know confidence is a risk factor for falls as it is. And so you can also incorporate questions like, how many times do you think you might lose your balance during this activity in one minute? And then the patient can give you their answer. And as they're completing that task, if they perform better than expected, then that can sometimes help improve their confidence with that task. And this format has, in some cases, allowed me to challenge patients beyond what they might be willing to try doing when we first started our treatment sessions together and also just help reduce their, their fear of falling and improve their confidence. I love that you are mind tricking your patients on a daily basis because I do the same thing. I'm like, oh, That's I can't funny. do it, but you can. And I'm gonna trick you into knowing that you can. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's an awesome tool that anybody could use in any setting. You can even use that in acute care. Um, is there anything else you'd like to discuss today? Um, no, that's all. Thank you for, for the opportunity. Perfect. All right, next up we have Tanvi Bhatt. I hope I said that right. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Tanvi Bhatt. Uh, I'm an associate professor at the University of Illinois Chicago in, within the PD department. I got my bachelor's in physical therapy from Mumbai University. And then I went ahead to get my master's in rehabilitation sciences at University of Manitoba. And then I did my PhD in kinesiology at University of Illinois Chicago and then have stayed there since. My research interests uh, are in the field of perturbation-based assessment and training of fall prevention and specifically to parse out the roles of proactive and reactive adaptation and developing protocols for enhancing motor learning, retention, and generalization of the falls resisting skills that are acquired. I have also uh, worked as a clinician uh, for 15 years uh, and now do some ad hoc registry work uh, so that I still keep my clinical skills uh, at par. Uh, I also study cognitive motor training or dual tasking uh, in terms of developing assessment and training protocols, specifically via customized uh, Excel games as well as use of commercial Excel games. Uh, mainly, I'm interested in examining how different cognitive tasks would affect motor function and also examining how mental fatigue impacts posture and locomotor control, especially in older adults who are starting to show signs of some cognitive impairment. And lastly, as many of our other members have said, I am interested in the role of higher cortical centers in modulation of mainly reactive balance control, but also how these centers interact in modulating cognitive motor interference, uh, both during uh, challenging volitional as well as reactive balance tasks. You just do a couple things related to research, but all of those things are super interesting to me. And I could ask you, I think 30 minutes just on those things, <laughs> but um, kind of from your research experience and your clinical clinical experience, what do you do specifically that could kind of help 
promote or like add some things to the PT professional world in the world of balance and falls. So uh, with our SIG. So with our SIG, definitely, of course, my research is very lab-based, but uh, one of my main roles is to actually translate all the research that has been it's been done in many of the labs by PTs and other professionals into the clinics or even kind of raise awareness uh, within our field of different kinds of evidences, uh, especially, which are almost kind of hidden, you know? So I feel like that needs to be highlighted and uh, disseminated uh, in simple terms, not uh, elaborate detailed research papers, not that that's bad, but I think that's one thing I would like to do where how could you take the evidence and present it in a manner uh, which reaches a larger population, both professionals as well as, uh, you know, uh, practitioners or even the clients and see how we can actually implement those uh, more readily and easily. Sorry, I muted myself. Um, you probably have quite a few of these clinical pearls, but I want you to choose a couple as something that one of our listeners could take and start doing tomorrow in their clinic. So yeah, I, I think uh, Debbie and Laura spoke about intensity. Uh, I'm gonna talk about uh, how type of balance training matters. And I would like the clinicians to really focus on what type of balance interventions would be most beneficial to the clients. Uh, not everybody will benefit from reactive balance training and not everybody can benefit with anticipatory uh, balance training or balance training. So I feel uh, that is something I would like the clinicians to take away uh, that, uh, and for that, I think we need to develop prognostic predictive, predictive models to assess fall risk from a systems perspective. So then we can tailor the type of intervention to specifically meet the impairment related to the fall risk. So that's my- oh, I couldn't agree more. What outcome measures do you use most to kind of assess those different things you need to work on? So I definitely use a lot of uh, instrumented outcome measures. Uh, which would be margins of stability is one of the measures I'm in love with. Uh, and a lot of, it, it's actually very easily implemented. And the clinicians, I would say that with the advent of variable sensor systems, which are very portable, with a single sensor, mm -hmm. you can get an instrumented measure of margins of stability. And the other measure I like a lot uh, is the best test. Mini best mm -hmm. test is something I like mm -hmm. to I've started to use the mini best more in my own practice within the last couple of months, besides just my patients with Parkinson's, which I feel like gets harped on in school. It's like, it's all about Parkinson's, but it's really a great measure for patients with just balance dysfunction or vestibular issues or stroke. Um, something I've started to do myself definitely too. Is there anything else you would like to leave with our audience today, Tanvi? No, thank you very much for doing this podcast. All right, my last interview, but not least, of course, is Ms. Hina Garg. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Hina Garg. I'm an associate professor in Rocky Mountain University of Health Professions. I have my physical therapy degree from India, my master's from Texas A&M, and my PhD degree from the University of Utah. I completed my neurological specialty certification in 2018. 
and have other areas of expertise that I have developed over the several years that I've been practicing, vestibular pelvic health. Um, and uh, I also do research in the same areas of uh, expertise uh, where I investigate clinically effective ways to enhance balance, postural control, function, quality of life uh, of all of my patients in the clinic. I currently work in an outpatient uh, setting where I also serve as the multiple sclerosis physical therapy and wellness, as well as a COVID program director. Um, and uh, I'm also initiating a balance and falls program at the clinic uh, based on my training as a community program leader of Stepping On and from National MS Society. These programs have been great in the clinic and uh, I feel like I'm able to introduce a, a new patient perspective uh, to their overall, overall health and wellness when they work with me. So I'm just curious, since you're creating kind of a new balance and falls kind of clinic, what are some things that you're bringing in to kind of facilitate that specific goal? That's a great question. Um, so what I am doing right now is I've started to initiate conversations with the, my uh, fellow clinicians at the clinic. Um, I've started to include uh, signage and patient handout materials to, um, to have the patients identify uh, this being as a resource available to them. I have uh, initiated um, and created several handouts as well as uh, patient screen measures for medical practitioners to be able to refer these patients to my clinic. Um, and at the clinic itself, I have a team of physical therapists and physical therapy assistants uh, that are very interested in the same field. Um, so we are creating um, an entire process of assessment, a very portable clinical assessment, uh, as well as an entire training intervention with progression on intensity focused progression. Um, this has been discussed already. So intensity matters and, and we are focused on that. And uh, that's the whole purpose to be able to uh, demonstrate the effectiveness of a focused, dedicated balance and fall progression in older adults and neurological populations. So I think there's one thing you take away from today's podcast is that intensity matters. Intensity matters. Intensity matters, especially when balance and falls training, not just everything else. Um, so what would you like the SIG to kind of contribute to the PT professional world that maybe hasn't been discussed yet today? Um, I think uh, everything has been discussed, Jillian, but I would just summarize this, that I want the SIG to contribute to resources for education, screening, and intervention at all levels of fall prevention, identification, and treatment. Um, and uh, I think the SIG is already placed in a, a good spot. It's already providing such resources. Uh, we are able to um, invite interest from the students and faculty all together to participate in contributing to such resources. Uh, we have uh, created the Falls Prevent Challenge, which is a video challenge excites the students uh, to generate some uh, topic of interest towards balance and falls, as well as we have <clears throat> invited uh, students and faculty for contribution towards the newsletter. Um, and uh, that's a regular contribution. Anybody is welcome to add to that. And um, we even have a competition going on, um, I think around CSM, uh, where people are willingly able to uh, generate uh, an interest in and contribute towards the newsletter. And anybody who does that gets entered into a raffle 
uh, or something. So I think the SIG is doing everything possible. Uh, we also, as Debbie mentioned, and everybody else on the team mentioned, have uh, several new ideas coming together and a, a train of broad podcasts um, dedicated towards assessment and intervention coming together. So everybody needs to uh, watch out for that. Better buckle your seatbelts, kids. We're going to have a lot of stuff coming out soon. <laughs> so um, what is a clinical pearl? We kind of already talked about what you do in related to our SIG. So what is a clinical pearl that someone can take to clinic tomorrow? Um, I would, I would just, you know, I think everything has been discussed. Um, what I would say is uh, start those conversations with the medical practitioners, with your patients. Um, I consider fall assessment as a multifactorial and be thinking about different contributing factors towards falls. Um, I personally use and have created a prediction model as Tanvi discussed uh, for my neurological population. Uh, once we identify those factors, we dedicate them to a fall risk and we start to intervene at those three levels um, that make them a fall risk so that we can start to see if um, the treatment is effective. Um, and uh, just utilize the time in the clinic better. Just consider risk to benefit and uh, dedicate your time to intensity, education, awareness. Um, everything else has been discussed, Jillian. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much, Sheena, for your time. And so now I get to hand the mic over to Laura and she gets to interview me. Yes. Thank you, Jillian. Wonderful job interviewing the rest of the group. So <laughs> I will turn some of these questions around to learn a little bit more about you and your background. So can you just introduce yourself and your experience? Yeah, I am a double graduate of a small school called Wingate University out in North Carolina. I graduated from PT school in December, 2018. And I just recently completed a neurologic residency with Ohio Health and Ohio University. And uh, earlier this year, so I am currently studying for my NCS. If anybody wants, wants to join my study train, let me know. <laughs> um, I currently work in an outpatient setting, uh, mostly with vestibular and balance currently, uh, but we'll be transitioning into more neurologic roles soon, which I'm really excited about. Um, I joined this, this is my third year on this, or second or third year, one of those on this SIG, um, and I've really enjoyed my time really learning a lot from these exceptional leaders around me, so. I bet, uh... Studying for the NCS, you're ready for a breather after you take that test. <laughs> Lots yes, of work I would love right. to just take like a week hiking trip somewhere and just forget about my phone and the computer, especially. <laughs> in the thick of it now. Um, what would you like for the SIG to contribute to the physical therapy professional world? So I think it's already kind of been mentioned, but I want really easy to digest resources um, kind of similar to the vestibular SIG where you come on and they have all these handouts that are just very simple. You can either hand to your patients, hand to physicians, hand to each other, um, just you know, have something. I know one of my goals is to create something that's like all the outcome measures, really easy to digest. Here are all the different patient populations, MCT or <laughs> MCIDs and you know, cutoff scores so that you know, we don't have to search every time we want to look for a new outcome measure. It's right there for us. So that's something that I think we can definitely accomplish in the next couple of years is giving those resources to help elevate the practice of balance and falls in our profession. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of those handouts would be 
very convenient and easy to use for clinicians and be very um, just helpful in the everyday day-to-day -day clinic work. So, 100%. Um, what would you, um, let's see, what do you do related to your work um, towards trying to help clinicians maybe gain access to those quick resources now? Is there anything now that you have in the clinic that you use or things that you're working to develop that could help clinicians in that aspect? So I've been doing a few in-services for my uh, current clinic, uh, mostly around specific vestibular disorders, but also on, we recently went over the mini best in general. We haven't utilized it a ton in our clinic, but I think reactive balance isn't tested enough in general. Um, we're, you know, testing their dynamic and static balance on foam, on firm, but we're not challenging them to, okay, what happens when you actually lose your balance? And we need to simulate that in order to see what their actual stepping strategy is, not just having them take a large step in either direction and hoping that that works when they lose their balance on their own. Um, and so I've been trying to push my fellow coworkers to, you know, we have a harness system. Every single one of our balance patients are in a harness attached to the ceiling. So nothing's going to happen to them. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm very spoiled in that way. And we have two neurocom machines. So I get to do the SOT on all my patients also. Um, but kind of utilizing what you can and pushing your patients safely to the brink so that you see what happens when they actually lose their balance. Yeah, I love that. I think that it's so important for us as clinicians to challenge each other and to kind of keep each other accountable with those things and to um, push each other in terms of how we think about things and not get too stuck in the way that we do things on a day-to-day -day basis, but try to continue to, to be better each day or each year. So that's great. Yeah, I agree. So before we leave, my last question for you is what is one thing that you do specifically in your clinical practice that you'd like to share as a clinical pearl or golden nugget um, that other clinicians could implement in their clinical practice? Um, something I try to start off every session with one of my balanced patients is what are you still struggling with at home? You know, making it very salient. I'm like, what are you still having trouble with? What is causing you issues? What do you not feel safe doing? And then working specifically on those tasks because that makes it mean more to the patient than just, I'm gonna tap my foot on each cone and then step over it, which I do love that intervention. I do it quite frequently. But um, you know, if someone's like, oh, I have a really hard time going down my step in the garage. Well, let's work on getting up and down off a curb. Or um, I have a hard time picking stuff off the floor. So just do that repeatedly until they feel comfortable as opposed to just going through the continuum guessing on what um, their balance needs. So really just having those, you know, spending the, the five minutes at the beginning of the session, really figuring out what is, causing them that balance as opposed to rushing right into treatment. Intensity matters, but it also needs to be salient in order to make it give them want to do it at home if it is an intervention. Um, and I don't think enough people tell people to contract their cores when they're doing balance training. If their core is not tight, they're not going to be stable. So I've definitely taught my students and um, you know my PTA and specifically how to teach an older adult who has no idea who I call a motor moron to, how to contract their core. Um, so this is something to practice with your, anything else. All right. So with that, I was last. And so we're going to wrap up our podcast. Thank you for listening to this interview brought to you by the balance and fall special interest group for more information on our special interest group or the Academy of Neurologic PT, please visit www.neuropt.org.